welcome back to the Live AD33 podcast. I'm your host, George Hellowa, and we're here to give current events some eternal perspective. Let me tell you what's been really interesting for me as a pastor is not being able to go to church, to talk to people, to minister to people face-to-face, and so, so much of it has been happening online. It's getting a little weird, like, as a guy who was trying to get away from social media to all of a sudden having to rely on social media and video to communicate with people, it's been really, really tricky. So, obviously, this has been a hot-button issue for a lot of people about when we can and should go back to church. My church is on the cusp of trying to go back to services And I know a lot of your churches are right now, too. But a lot of people are still wary. A lot of people are still concerned. And a lot of people are coming up on either side of this issue as when's appropriate? Should we go back? Is it right to not be able to go? And what are we supposed to do about it? So today on the podcast, I'm going to share with you uh, my thoughts on to church or not to church and what it would look like for us to go back. How important is it that we go back and what we should do uh, in order to get back in a way that we can celebrate honor the Lord, and what we and what we can do in the meantime until it happens. So sit back, take a listen as we talk about to church or not to church. Hey everybody, Pastor George back to give current events eternal perspective. To church or not to church, that is the question. At this point, it's been two and a half months since my church met in person, 11 plus weeks of online sermons, Zoom calls, and church in pajamas. Most Christians are so over it, ready to go back to -to face-to-face in-person services. It's actually become a pretty hot-button issue these last few weeks. Uh, Last week, the president declared houses of worship essential, putting them on par with uh, a number of currently open institutions. Uh, Locally, we're seeing public places creep back open from malls to hair salons. But so far, Churches haven't made the public cut. Now, one local congregation has an open lawsuit against the state. In fact, our state government in California has actually issued guidelines for churches to reopen, but if I'm honest, they seem to be written by people who don't go to church. While a lot of the guidelines are suggestions, they actually say, places of worship must therefore limit attendance to 25% of building capacity or a maximum of 100 attendees, whichever is lower. They also suggest strongly consider discontinuing singing, group recitation, and other practices and performance where there is increased likelihood for transmission. We have a 2,300-seat auditorium. Our 25% is 575. We have more people in our choir than the state mandate of 100 people says is allowable for meeting. And I guarantee that if they show up, there will be singing. Most of our Sunday school classes couldn't even meet under these guidelines. So what's a congregation to do? Now, I realize that my church size is the exception, not the norm in America, but there are thousands of churches dealing with this issue just in our state, let alone the whole country. My social media feed is blown up with people on all sides of this issue. On one side, you have the wait until it's safe crowd, people who wouldn't necessarily go back if the church opened this weekend, simply because they're not comfortable in crowds yet. And on the other side, you have those who are ready to storm the doors regardless of what the local government says. And I'd agree that both sides have have merit. I want to be back at church, but in a way where it's a celebration and people can feel safe and confident, undistracted in the worship if someone happens to cough. As a pastor, 
I, as, as do all pastors, feel the responsibility to balance the safety and the spiritual growth and the civil expectations of our congregations. Now, I've heard people say that because of our confidence in Christ, we don't have to fear coronavirus. Ultimately, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But we also recognize that none of us want to be responsible for making that decision for another person. And as leaders, we want to measure our influence because we recognize that we will set the tone for our congregations. And the verse that most often gets cited by those demanding a return to in-person services is Hebrews 10.25. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, on its own, it's an admonition for people to make sure that they don't slip out of the habit of being around other believers, and an important reminder to the congregational church that it's where we often do, as the preceding verse 24 says, motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Here's the whole passage for context. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting in him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. And let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, I will be the first person to say that believers should meet in church. People often say that a relationship with God is deeply personal, and we don't need a church to prove it. But I'd also argue that no part of the human body successfully operates independently of the others without suffering ill effects, and the body of Christ is no different. And the context of this passage is that because of the sacrifice of Jesus and the access to God that he's given us, we can enter the presence of God confidently, believing that what God has promised us, the hope of heaven, will come true. So in light of the promises of God, the author writes, let us celebrate our hope, let us motivate one another to live righteously, and let us continue to meet to encourage one another because this world is hard sometimes. This is what the church does. And like Ecclesiastes says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. But let's acknowledge that Hebrews 10.25 is not a command that we must congregate in a designated building on a specific day of the week, but a reminder that we need one another, every part of the body, for full maturity in Christ, and now more than ever. It bears repeating that the church isn't a building, but the people of God. And fostering that community is part of being the body of Christ. In fact, it wasn't until the 3rd century that the church had church buildings. The church often met throughout a city, meeting in homes and public spaces, all while remaining unified under the common banner of the gospel. A gospel, by the way, that was under heavy persecution, illegal in some areas, and yet continued to grow and thrive. I keep hearing that it's a constitutional right. Yes, in America, freedom of religion certainly is, which also means that the expression of that right can take many forms, from meeting at church to meeting at homes. 
And we can magnify the gospel over social media now in ways never before possible. Do I think it's strange that malls can be opened but not my local congregation? Of course. Do I think measures can be put in place to mitigate the danger? Certainly. But do I think that railing against the government, suing the state, and demanding the right to congregate sends a mixed message and demonstrates a lack of imagination? I do. Now, I keep hearing people make this a freedom of religion issue. I keep hearing people say that we won't be held down. I hear people talk about defying orders. You know, regardless of how you feel about it, we are called to submit to local authorities. A move, I believe, that actually enhances our witness. But let me challenge you to think another way. If you think it's safe enough to go back to church, but local restrictions say you cannot, how will you adapt? How would you, uh, what would you be willing to do? Would you be willing to open your home? Would you host your friends or members of your Sunday school class? How can you creatively meet together without violating local ordinance and still submitting to authorities? What do people do in places where Christianity is illegal and punishable? What are we willing to give up or how are we willing to compromise and adapt to get what we really want? Fellowship with other believers. Think about it. If the gates of hell won't stop the church of God, then we certainly shouldn't be stumped by a lack of imagination. Now, as pastors, our job is to equip you for the work of the ministry. You can tap into the multitude of resources your home church likely offers, and if your church doesn't offer them, there are hundreds of other options. Now, I think people are interpreting the lack of public services as a prohibition on practicing our faith. But maybe it is simply challenging us to find new, more intentional ways to practice it. Obviously, we know what we can't do. Meet publicly in large gatherings. This eliminates most churches, Sunday schools, youth groups, large Bible studies, and more. This is probably the thing that we're missing the most. But let's consider what we can do. Acts 5.42 says that the early Christians were driven by the gospel and community. It says, And in every day in the temple and from house to house, they continued to teach and preach this message. Jesus is the Messiah. The early church wasn't just limited to the public spaces, but met privately and intimately with one another, which, as one author says, seems to imply that there was an early sense of need that there be both larger and smaller gatherings. I don't see why we can't do this now. We can worship in our own homes. We can open our Bible and study it. We can watch a variety of messages online. We can invite people into our homes for food and fellowship. We can find ways to volunteer and serve in our community. We can meet up for coffee or, or take a walk somewhere or bump into each other on the street. We can tell our neighbors about Jesus and invite them to watch a service with us. We can be kind, encouraging, and hopeful in our neighborhoods. We can pray. 2 Corinthians 6.16 says, For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. If you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit within you and he will guide you. If you are a parent, you have the responsibility of your tiny congregation who needs you to lead them faithfully. And I know we miss congregational worship, but if you're not worshiping at home to the audience of one, why would singing in public be any different? Should you be in community? Yes. Do I want to return to my large church gatherings? Absolutely. Do I believe the church is still God's agent to share his uncompromising message of hope to the world? 
Do I believe that when we cannot meet in large numbers due to pandemic or weather or persecution or whatever the reason that we should still find ways to meet together, encourage one another, stir one another up to good works and break bread together? Definitely. Those are the biblical things community does. So let's pray for a swift return to our churches. Let's creatively pursue new practices of faith in these abnormal times. Let's not focus on what we cannot do and instead celebrate and pursue what we can do. To church or not to church, that is the question. As long as we choose to be the church, the body of Christ and his hands and feet on earth, we will find the community, the love, and the encouragement we need to satisfy us until that time we can finally return to the buildings of our church. I, for one, I'm looking forward to it. God bless you. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Live AD 33 podcast, where we do want to give current events eternal perspective. If you have any thoughts, if you have anything you want to share with us, go ahead and email us at live 8033 at gmail.com. Our music today is by Lee Rosevere. You can find his stuff online at the freemusicarchive.org. And as always, my name is George Hellowa, committed to bringing you the Word of God in these crazy times that we might walk with God and be encouraged by it and live by it. We'll see you soon. Thank you.